Awesome. How's everybody doing? You guys braved the, the weather. <laughs> this is odd. Every year it's like this. I'm like, this is not right. I don't like it. I, don't, I, I get in the truck and I see like 20-something. This isn't right. This isn't mobile weather. I said this morning, go home whether you're drunk. This is not where you don't belong here. You need to be up north somewhere. You've, you've misplaced where you're supposed to be. All right. Came down from Mardi Gras. Get, get out of here. So many jokes came up, spinning off the whole pagan holiday thing with that. All right, focus. I have ADD. If you don't know, you'll know shortly because uh, <laughs> uh, I'll chase a lot of rabbits. But uh, I want to continue what we've been talking about. Does anybody know what we've been talking about, what I've been talking about? Anybody? Anybody? Jesus. Don't say Jesus. <laughs> yes, but it is Jesus. That's a Sunday school answer. Kingdom. More specifically, we've been talking about the kingdom, what Jesus talked about all the time. He wore everyone else out about this whole kingdom thing. I looked at how, like, I didn't count how many times, but it, specifically in Matthew, I mean, it's just kingdom, 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 kingdom. It's one of those things that I don't really, I say I don't really look for. You should look for it. It's specifically what we're going to talk about looking for it. But when I would read through scripture for years, it never, I never noticed it. Like, I just breezed right past it, and it was right in my face the whole time. Um, is, is, it was his, it was Jesus' primary message, man. It's all he talked about was the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is here, the kingdom is here, the kingdom is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, and his, even his disciples were like, what's this kingdom like? How do we get to this kingdom? And he's like, I am the way, and they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. And he, they, they talk about it over and over and over again, and it's throughout, uh, Matthew was the first book that I read when I first got saved, and I recommend it. My, it's funny, uh, my nephew called me the other day, and I can't remember where he was, he was somewhere in the Old Testament. Um, God, what book was it? With all the foxes when they gather all the tails. Y'all remember that book? Sam? Yeah, yeah. And he was like, how could someone catch like two or three hundred of those things? You know how fast a fox is? I was like, start a Matthew. We'll get, we'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, but Matthew is really good because it was, it was the clearest to me when I didn't know anything about Scripture or really anything about the stories and different things like that. So as you go through Matthew, you see this, this real constant thing that Jesus talks about, and it's the kingdom of heaven. It's, he says kingdom of God sometimes. He says the kingdom in different areas, but they're, they all go together. It's what he's talking about is the kingdom. Now, what that does is, or what it should do, and literally what he said was repent, and then right after he said repent was the kingdom of heaven has, has come near. The kingdom of heaven is in your midst. And so what he's saying is repent, metanoia, change the way you think. Now, I had to do this when I first started going to church after I got saved because the primary message that I heard from church was you need to you need to do right, you know, dress nice and don't do bad things, do good things. This was the primary message, and I'll break it, I'm breaking it down in its simplest form. Do good, don't do bad, and then get other people to do good, don't do bad, so that they can go to heaven when they die. Does that sound pretty close to what you heard? Yeah. So there was this, this idea that we are, I always do this, like we're catapulting people to heaven. So there's this kingdom of, of the earth, and then there's this kingdom of heaven, and that we're supposed to be like, hey, let's get people in this great retirement program where they can go to be in heaven when they die, right? And so there's this, what that does is it, it's the wrong metanoia. It changes the way you think the wrong way. And so what it does is it puts everything off at a distance, puts God at a distance. He's in this, this faraway heaven. Uh, it puts your peace, your joy, all these things at a distance because all those are associated with what? The kingdom of heaven, right? But that's not, the, that if you believe that, the only problem is the Bible. <laughs> that's the problem you're going to have is because that's not what the Bible teaches at all. The Bible didn't say, repent for you need to go to heaven when you die. He didn't say that. He said, repent. The kingdom of heaven has come near. It's come here. Now, there's a, there's a period now 
when he's talking about these things, and in the beginning he's saying it's come near, it's close, it's in your midst, he was talking about himself. Um, you know, eventually we, spoiler alert, we know what happens. He dies and, and is raised and then ascends and sends us the Holy Spirit, which is the kingdom is in the Holy Spirit, right? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom. So before we get to that place, this is where we are in Matthew. And so I'm going to give you uh, a, couple, a couple different verses where he talks about the kingdom. There's tons more, but I'm just going to break down a few of them. Um, but before that, I want to tell you, I'll tell you a quick story about what literally happened yesterday. And I'll try to slow down, but I had two cups of coffee. Uh, I always <laughs> have people tell me I talk too fast, and I'm like, you just need to listen faster. I don't know, I don't know what else to tell you. So I literally, a lot of times when I type up my sermon, I'll say slow down like every couple verses, <laughs> like slow down, you're talking too fast. So I apologize if I talk too fast, but cool, cool. Faster's better. Let's get this done. TikTok, lunch. All right. No, but okay. So, so uh, I kid, I kid. More horsepower. Hit it with the nitrous. All right. So here we go again. So uh, I have to close my eyes to get back to where I need to be. All right. So yesterday, we, Tra- Tracy's volleyballing today. Our kids are in a volleyball tournament. They were there yesterday. Um, and, uh, as is, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, um, but if you're in any kind of relationship, specifically marriage, sometimes this happens. And I'm not proud of it, but it happens more often than I would like. Well, Tracy will talk to me, and uh, at the end of whatever she's saying, I don't know what she's saying. I wasn't, my mind, speaking ADD, my mind's somewhere else. I'm not, I'm not focused on what she's saying. And at the end of it, she's looking for me to say something, and I've got a choice at the end of this when I have no idea what she just said. This literally just happened yesterday because I asked her a couple minutes later, and she was like, I literally just told you that. I was like, oh, okay. And she's not crazy about me not listening. <laughs> But it may be a guy thing, but it, I don't know. Anyway, so I've got a choice at the end of those conversations to either I can give like a, just a general like, uh-huh, but then you get in danger. I don't know what I'm agreeing to. <laughs> or you can say, you know, there's, there's those things. Or I can humble myself and say, I wasn't listening at all <laughs> what you were saying. Can you please repeat it? And then usually she's not happy about that either. Um, but there's, there's something to say about not being focused and listening to what's being told to you and what, what's – you – and as, as much as I hate to admit it, I could blame it on ADD some, a little bit, but ultimately I can focus on what I want to focus on. I could listen. I, I could pay attention to what she's saying. So ultimately I don't, I don't, in that moment, which I hate to admit, I don't care enough to listen to what she has to say to take in the information and absorb it, right? Um, the same thing happened back then and the same thing happens today when we, we see these things. More specifically about this kingdom is, um, back then, there was a lot of kingdom talk. Like I said before, when, when I'm at a party, I don't hear this come up. Like People don't just start talking about kingdoms, right? It's not terminology we use. Same thing about a lot of the farm analogies and, and parables that they use. We don't use those necessarily, so those things don't come up. But in that day, they did. So when Jesus is saying some of these things, it can sound some probably sometimes like white noise. They're like, yeah, maybe, that sounds good, whatever. Or they already have their, there's another thing that we run into. We have these preconceived notions of what these things should look like and how they should, should work and operate. And so it doesn't matter what anyone's saying. To, and, then, and I'm going to separate myself from the first analogy of my wife. This goes further than that. So we can do the same thing in lots of different areas where people are speaking to us and we're like, I don't care what you have to say. I already know, right? Have y'all been there? I already know the truth. I'm just listening long enough for you to shut up so I can tell you what I think, right? Am I, have y'all been, have y'all had other people like that? Not y'all. I mean, I know y'all don't do that, but have y'all had other people do that, right? <laughs> that's that happens. It's not 
This isn't foreign to us. We understand that. This happened back then too. And so when he's talking about this kingdom, he doesn't stop talking about it. He talks about it over and over and over again so that they can understand it. We, we talk about the two kind of the two-step program Jesus had was he talked about it and taught on it, and then he demonstrated it. As much as I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to talk about the demonstration part because it's so much fun, um, was where he went out and healed the sick and touched people and prayed for them and moved amongst people and, and ate with sinners and tax collectors and Pharisees. And he did all these things. He operated in these areas, not just teaching, but actually doing. This is what we, we talk about the works. There's show me your faith with what, what you do. It, this, it, they go hand in hand. They're not, they're not mutually exclusive. This is where we get into these crazy debates. They're, and and gray, especially in gray circles, when you say works, people are like, oh, not works. That's not what we're talking about. Calm down. Works is important. We have things to do, just like Melissa was talking about. There are things to do in the kingdom. There are things that we, we need to do that are important. All right. So uh, there's also one more thing that was kind of funny yesterday, too. There's also a breakdown in the way that we talk. And I don't know if you have kids now, uh, or some of you have kids, especially teenagers. There's a completely different language, and we jokingly will make fun of their language. A lot of times we'll say things like, you know, it's bussin' bussin' or it's lit or whatever, you know, and they hate it. They're like, stop, you're embarrassing me. Tracy yesterday, <laughs> Trinity was doing was Snapchatting a ton. I was like, this is too much. You're like half of her forehead and a nose or something. I don't get Snapchat. I'm old, but it annoys me to no end. And so Tracy, I think, intentionally was messing with Trent. <laughs> Trent wanted to go out to the car because she was tired of watching volleyball, which I don't blame her. It's just whistles. And Anyway, so she, was, she, she wanted to go out to the car, and Tracy was like, oh, you're going to go... You're going to go, and she's, Tracy's Facebook savvy, not Snapchat. So she was like, you can go, go, go post some dope snaps. <laughs> Tracy's eyes rolled backwards, pointed to the back of her head, and she got out of there. And so, but that's an ongoing joke now. So today, <laughs> I was like, hey, have fun today. Just don't post a bunch of dope snaps. Anyway, but there's also a, a kind of a language breakdown in the way that the terminology that was used. And I think that's another reason why Jesus used parables. It wasn't. Sometimes it was so people could understand it a little bit clearer, but also he legitimately says it's to hide things for those that really want to seek them. So I don't want to go into detail about the parable of the, of, of the one before these two, but um, well, let me give you these few examples from Matthew. Matthew 14, four, I'm sorry, 4, 17 says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach. What did he preach? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Uh, same thing, Matthew 4, 23 so Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of what? The kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Uh, Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 9, 35, Jesus went throughout all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And it goes on and on and on. You can go through all of Matthew if you have kingdom lenses on, and you'll see them all pop up. Um, so Jesus is proclaiming the good news. This is uh, the, the rescue mission of God is not far away anymore. That's why he's saying it's come close. We talked about this before all the way from the Old Testament and Isaiah when we were talking about this rescuer is coming. What, what they, were, what they, they had this preconceived notion of this rescuer that was going to, you know, in their minds was going to, you know, maybe obliterate Rome and make them the geopolitical leaders again. And so the Jews had this idea of this old covenant rescuer that was going to go through this cycle again. But Jesus came, and he did that times a million. He said, no, I'm not coming to fight a little battle or a temporary battle. I'm, I've got an eternal kingdom that's about to just turn this place upside down. So Jesus had other intentions that looked differently than what they were looking for. Um, all right. 
This is where I want to kind of hang out. Matthew 13, uh, 31, he tells two parables here. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to have your Bible or get a Bible and read it. It's very good. <laughs> it's a very good thing. If you don't, uh, you can take my word for it, but <laughs> it's good to study this stuff on your own. Matthew 13, 31 says, he told another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field, though it, though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman put, took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through the, through the dough. Okay. Now, imagine you kind of put yourself in this setting. You, at this point, Jesus has all these people that have gathered around so that he can teach them. This, we talked about uh, what a lot of these people are, are the ones that have been turned away. Uh, there are people that, um, that don't, don't feel good enough, don't feel like who they are. We, we went through this with the Beatitudes, where he, he showed them that blessed are them not because of their circumstances, blessed are them ultimately because of who he was and what he was bringing in this kingdom. Um, it wasn't we talked about the Beatitudes and that it wasn't these things that we should try to attain or build up to. The Beatitudes were just examples of how the kingdom impacted people wherever they were, right? So he, would, he was almost like he was giving examples. Look at this guy. He's poor in spirit. When the kingdom comes, he's blessed. Look at this person who's mourning. When the kingdom comes, they're blessed. It's not because of their circumstance. It's because of the kingdom. Every, and I've told you guys this before, all the headings can be confusing sometimes in your Bible. Um, and I know we're talking about kingdom, but if you just scratch all those headings out and put it's all about Jesus, it'll help you clarify some of these things. So most of this, he's pointing back at himself, which can seem arrogant if you're not who Jesus was. It's not at all because he had the answers. And so all this is pointing back at him. He's saying, okay, these beatitudes are not things that you should try to aspire to or to, to attain. These are examples of how blessed you can be regardless of your circumstance. So you have all these people, and then you also have the Pharisees and Sadducees who essentially want them dead because they're messing up their whole corrupt system, and they're, 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 he's, he's breaking down uh, behavioral modification and hitting things in their heart, and that was tough. It was messing up the, their, whole, their whole structure there. And so Jesus pulls no stops here. He, he talks about all these different things, and so when he talks about these parables, he breaks down, okay, the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like. So he says the kingdom is like a mustard seed. What is interesting about a mustard seed? It's very small. Um, what else? What, what, what is significant about a mustard seed? It grows into a plant. Yep. And I looked it up because I've heard, heard people debate for whatever reason about, well, it's not really the smallest seed and it's not really that big of a tree, but it is a tree and it's big enough. It's like a tree bush and it's, it's big. If it was in your garden, it would take over the garden. And so, yes, it grows into a big, a big plant, apparently so much so that, that birds can come and rest on it. What else, even in seed form, what would happen if it... If I don't have an image, I should have been a good pastor and given you an image of it. But it's teeny, teeny, tiny. Like it, it's, you could barely see it. If I held it up right here, you couldn't see it from where you're sitting. So what if it was in the carpet or whatever? What, what do you think? You wouldn't see it, right? You wouldn't notice it. It, it could, it could go unnoticed, right? Same thing about yeast. We talk about yeast. Well, we think of yeast. We think of a powder. But back then, I did the research. Um, they would put it in dough, and then they would take a little piece of that dough and they keep it in a cold, dark place. Because <laughs> you know what yeast is? It's fungus. Did you know that? I didn't. I just learned that. Yeah, it's fungus. Yeah. Woo. Who thought about that? Huh? It's bacteria, right? Yep. And so what they 
So what they did back then specifically is they would just take a little bit that was already rising. And the word there that in mixed, I, I read NIV because that's just what I cut my teeth on. But the word mixed there really means hidden, hid. And so what they do is they take a little bit of that wherever they store it, and they would hide it in 60 pounds of dough. Now, that makes a lot of bread. When it starts rising, you get 60 pounds of dough, and you put a little piece in there. Do what? About 60, about 60 loaves of bread. Do what? I want one bread now. <laughs> easy, easy. I'm, I'm moving fast. I'm talking fast. We'll get there. We went to... We went to uh, we went to Lambert's yesterday afternoon after the game because the game was in Foley and they throwed rolls and they were good. I'm not making things better. Those throwed rolls are good. All right. Uh, I'll give you, I'll give you guys, yeah, I'll give you guys a pointer too. At at the end of your meal, you get them to throw you extra ones because you can take those home. Free bread. All right. So uh, so anyway, same thing. It's very small, but when it comes in contact with something, it changes everything. Anything it touches, it changes. Right? It makes it rise. It makes it grow. Now, another thing that's interesting about both of those, uh, which Pam mentioned, it grows into a tree. What, what difference does that make? Well, it specifically says so that birds can rest on the branches. Same thing with the 60 pounds of bread. How many people could that feed? It could feed a lot of people, right? So we see that the, these are good, honest questions we can ask about. Why, well, what does that have to do with the kingdom? What do either of these things have to do with the kingdom? The, he's saying the kingdom is like this. So the kingdom is small. Is that what he's saying? No. It is. It's contagious, but also it can be overlooked. You can walk right past it. You can miss it. it. It can be missed if you're not looking for it. He literally says if you have ears to hear, listen. If you, if you want to listen, it's, it's there. If you want to see, it's there. And then he gives the purpose, even at the tail end of each of those parables, he gives the purpose. Okay, so let's say we see this kingdom and we get to experience it, which you do with, with, with the Holy Spirit. Now what? We wait to die to go to heaven? No. There's something that it produces in us. What does it produce? Fruit. You can go all the way to Galatians, talk about the fruit of the Spirit and all those things that it produces. It, produ- it grows in us. It changes. It makes the dough rise, even when he talks about the yeast. The dough rises for what? To feed multitudes. So there's a purpose behind it. It's not for us to hoard up and keep for ourselves. It has a purpose to share with those that are around us. That's what the kingdom is like. Why was that such a radical message at the time? And even today, why is that such a radical message? That's not how kingdoms looked. Kingdoms didn't look like that. They weren't looking out for everyone else. Certainly, and this is what I found interesting, I never thought about this morning is, when I started really dissecting those crowds, most of the time those crowds didn't come together, right? You didn't have Pharisees and tax collectors and, you know, the sick and and all those people. But when Jesus spoke, they were all there. Even if some of them had malicious intent, they were all together. Jesus was speaking an incredibly powerful, world-changing message to lots of different cultures and lots of different people. Now, each one had their own preconceived notion of what this kingdom should look like. And Jesus said, repent. It's like he took a, a V8 rear-wheel drive and went in New York Square shooting like bottle rockets out the windows. <laughs> said, everyone, listen to me. Everything's about to change. This kingdom is not going to look like what you think it looks like. This kingdom is going to be like an upside-down kingdom. It's going to be different. Not only that, you could walk right past it and never see it. Why is that so important? When we we understand, especially on this side of understanding what grace is, behavioral modification is a very simplistic idea. Uh, A lot of the 
the, the ministries that I, that I was associated with spent most, if not all, of their time trying to make people be more well-behaved orphans instead of really getting to the heart of the issue and, and creating transformation like, like a mustard seed or like yeast would do. That's why it's so important. It's, it's easy, really, in theory, if we think about it, not in theory, in reality, it's easy to point out people's faults or their strengths, right? And then to, you know, and this was really difficult. This was probably harder for me in youth than it even is in here to not just be this motivational speaker to come in there and give them three points in a poem and, and, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and go do things because that is kind of the American way. What's difficult is to help people understand that it's much deeper than that. When Jesus told all these parables and, and talked about, you've heard it said, but I say, you've heard it said, but I say, he was tackling the problems that we really have all the way back from the beginning of time. We live in a fallen world and we're full of garbage. We just have issues. I don't know about you. We have issues. We create these own, our own kingdoms, which the Bible calls the kingdoms of this world or the kingdom of sin and death, where we determine what right and wrong is. We say, well, and, and that's dependent on, what is that dependent on? How much we know intellect? It's dependent on how we feel, right? It's depending on what's important to us, maybe. I mean, you could, you could go on and on about that. But all those things move around. One of the, and I don't want to get too far, too far into like what we deal with today, but there's a lot of this going on today where your right is your right, my right is my right, your wrong is your wrong, my wrong is whatever. And it, it has this apathetic attitude where there is no real truth and there is no real, there's no absolutes anywhere. The problem with that is there very much are truths and there very much are absolutes. I mean, I mean these, these things, it's like gravity saying, well, I don't believe in gravity. Well, jump off the stage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can, you, can have, you can have whatever mindset you want, but the, the beautiful thing about the way Jesus talks about this repentance as metanoia is he gives us the truth. He says, I am the truth. He doesn't say, go figure it out. He doesn't say, and something else I learned in studying this, in Hebrew, there's no word for brain. They almost consider that like gray matter. Everything is about the heart. Everything they talk about is about the heart. This is why he says, renew your mind. Constantly tells you to renew your mind. It's because what he gives, he gives us truth, and then we renew our mind to that truth, and that's how we operate. It's, every time I think about this upside-down kingdom, it's like, how did we mess this up and turn it backwards in the church? We made it about this long, faraway kingdom of heaven we made it all about our behavior. We made it all about what we could do and what we bring to the table and how anointed we are or how um, biblically savvy or how intelligent we are or whatever. You, you fill in the blank of whatever religious association you, you grew up around or kind of came into, but we, <laughs> we, took it, we took it from Jesus and pointed right back at ourselves. We're going to make it all about us. Do what? Very self-centered, not Christ-centered. So we see this mustard seed is very small, very hard to see. You have to look for it, you may miss it. It grows to be very large, has great potential. That's another thing I love about the gospel in general, man, the potential that we can see in the spirit in people that he saw in us. You know, we talk about this mustard seed that's so tiny but has the potential to grow into something so big. That's such a beautiful thing and such, a, such an incredible idea that we have to open our minds to because when we look at people, we don't see that in, in the flesh. I mean, I don't know if you do, but I don't see that. Right, right out the gate, I don't see that. I, I see... I see problems we need to address. I see, you know, advice I need to give or, you know, we see these things. There's nothing wrong with those things. But to see someone's potential when they don't even see it, that's a pretty miraculous thing, especially young people, to see that. 
because they're in those areas where they need, they need identity in those areas. Um, Matthew 13, 53 says, When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed, but <laughs> didn't stop there. Where did this man get this, get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. Listen, Jesus isn't just talking about a way for us. He is describing himself. Just like he was with the Beatitudes, he's doing the same thing here. He seemed very insignificant when he came on the scene as a baby in a manger coming from Jerusalem. He didn't come on this white horse with a sword. He came on a donkey. He, he, he did all these things in a way that seemed, I mean, not seemed, people missed it. A lot of people missed it. Jesus himself is this mustard seed. He is himself this yeast that works through the dough. He had to be buried so that he could come up, man, whew, and send his Holy Spirit to all of us so that we could grow and people could rest on our branches. You see it. He's not just describing an idea or a theology or anything like that. He's describing himself. He's describing his kingdom. He says, listen, if you have ears, listen. You'll get it. The parable before this that I, that I didn't get into that most of you guys know about the types of soil that the seeds fall on, that's what he's talking about there even more specifically. There were people in the crowd, the Pharisees in general specifically, were like, they didn't want to hear it. They were, they were some of the ones that would not receive the seed at all. And there were others that, that were just, they were like, well, this Jesus is a pretty cool prophet. He's doing some miraculous things. I kind of dig his, his whole ministry. But they weren't, they, weren't ready to, they, they weren't ready to grab onto him and let go of their, of their history and their lineage. And he said several times, I'm going to be the only way. This, this old covenant is passing away. This new kingdom that I'm bringing is going to be the only one left. You're, you're going to have to let go of that. And so there are people that are essentially like taste testing it, but they're not, they're not in. And so you have all these different groups of people, and he's saying, listen, this, this kingdom is going to go amongst all of them, and not everyone's going to get it. And that's okay. Don't stress yourself out about it. But if you have ears, listen. If you have eyes, see. If you look for it, it's, it's there. The kingdom is there. And everything that you do, the mundane things you do day to day, that's where the kingdom is. It's not in some great synagogue, in some great church, in some great seminary. The kingdom is in you. The kingdom is in opportunities that you run into that you can minister to people because you carry the Holy Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead in your mortal body right now. The kingdom is not just some place, some distant place, some geographical location that you have to wait to die to, to go to. He says, I come and I bring my kingdom with me. You go, you bring my kingdom with you. You're an heir. You're a son, you're a daughter. You carry the kingdom everywhere you go. And the disciples said, well, what, where, where is this kingdom? He says, the kingdom is not meat or drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. They didn't know then, but what was coming was the kingdom. It's coming. I'm going to make a way for this kingdom to come to you. I'm going to make a way for these seeds to go out and turn into something. They're going to do things. Jesus was not there to offer a temporary fix, but he was there to offer eternal kingdom. 
We all want trees and bread, but we have to see the potential in the seeds and the yeast. This isn't just a, you know, it comes off as, as like a, a lesson to learn, but it's not a lesson to learn, it's a truth to receive. This is the reality that you, you, you kind of have to, I talked about that, that, uh, that picture I used to see in the mall that it took me a couple times to pass by because I don't want to be embarrassed by not being able to see it, but to be able to pull your focus out and see like the three-dimensional picture, that's what this is like. The kingdom is not, it's not always visible like you can just grab it, but if you have eyes to see it and ears to hear it, you can. It's all around you all the time. You can, you can capture those moments and you can see the kingdom of heaven crash into the kingdom of earth. It's an amazing thing. And like I said, once we get in, I think I'm trying to do it in the same order Jesus did it. We'll teach it, and then we'll, we'll, we're going to do it. And it's going to be fun when we do it, but we need to know what we're doing. We're not trying to catapult people to heaven, right? When we, when we minister as a church or even individually when you guys do it outside of this building, or when we do it together as a group, we're not trying to catapult people to heaven. We're bringing heaven to them. We have to see that so that when we do it, we, we have a good grasp of what's going on. Um, just a tiny amount of yeast produces bread to feed multitudes and a tiny mustard seed produces a tree with branches for the birds to rest on the kingdom inside you the kingdom inside you and I has the same potential if you have eyes to see and ears to hear when we, one of the things I thought about when we sang that song about our enemies and how God goes before us and, and defeats our enemies, I think a, a lot of times we will place people in those areas as our enemies. And I want to tell you that people are not your enemies. This is something that I think the, ch- the church has struggled with as long as I've known, been a part of Christianity, is that we, for whatever reason, we will create people groups as our enemies, and they are not. There are groups of people that we may disagree with or that are doing bad things, but they are not your enemy. The lie that keeps them oppressed is the enemy. People are not your enemy. No, no one, not one person is. Every person you come in contact with, Jesus died for and wants them to be, and to see this kingdom and see themselves as sons and daughters. That's not, that's not very polished. That's why religion has a hard time with it. Relationship is messy. We say that a lot. Relationship is messy, but it's real. I know even before I got saved, I knew real from fake. I knew when people were coming at me with, you know, religious jargon and trying to push me into some, you know, decision and doing all these things. Man, it's such, so much more beautiful when this really comes from your heart. I always, I always breaks my heart to know all those people that, and, and God could use it. I'm not saying he didn't use it, but all those people that I went out and tried to evangelize, I cared nothing about those people. And it breaks my heart. I was just doing it because I thought that's what I was supposed to do and that God would be angry if I didn't do it. And he would be happy if I did. It was a complete, we turned, we turned uh, God the Father into the Godfather. Like he's waiting on us to, to smite us, mighty smiter. But in reality, he gives us this kingdom freely so that we can share it with other people. And it should be a joyous occasion. It should be good news because it is. It's the truth. Much more beautiful when you have a conversation with someone and Jesus comes up in the conversation because it's what's on your heart, not because you feel like you have to and make them feel uncomfortable. <laughs> that's life. That's, that's real. 
That's kingdom. That's what this kingdom looks like. We've got two girls in here that are about to go overseas to share the kingdom. Ultimately, that's what you guys are doing. You guys are spreading seeds just further. You know, we people debate about, well, there's lots we could do in America. Well, yeah, both and, not either or. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's a, but that, no, I know, that's a common, that's a common, when I talk to people about it, it's a common reaction. I'm like, hey, we have some missionaries going there. We're like, well, there's a lot to do around here. Okay, roll tide. What are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but, but here's the thing. <laughs> Why not both? This is one of the reasons I like, uh, there's a movie, and I, don't, I, I, don't, I always spoil movies for you guys, but there's a movie that has that at the end. I've told you before that there are two realities. There's this, the whole movie is the writers did a really good job of setting you up to either think this guy is, is crazy or crazy and wrong or he's not crazy and right. But the fact was, he was crazy and right. And our minds can't deal with that for some reason. Like, it's like, no, it can't be both. Same way when I, one of my, one of my favorite movies, now that, I, now that I know the real ending, is I Am Legend. Have you ever seen that, Will Smith? Um, if you ever watched the real ending, the original ending, before they changed it for the movies, the real ending makes so much more sense because ultimately there was no bad guy in that movie. Um, the, the, I, I don't want to get into too much detail, but ultimately... Um, he, the way the writers wrote it was he was the legend. He was the one going into their, if you've ever seen that movie, he's going into their darkness and pulling them out and killing them. He was trying to fix them, but ultimately he was killing them. So he was, at first I realized, oh, well, he's the bad guy. But then I realized that with the alternate ending, neither of them were bad. They were just misunderstood each other. And, it, and you can break that down in any way you want to, but I love, I love understanding that because that's what we, we have to be able to see. That this isn't me against you or you against anybody else. We're all in the same boat. We've all fallen short. We've all, we're all broken. We all need to be fixed. The sooner we get to that place, the sooner we can actually minister to other people. It's much, much, much more enjoyable and less stressful when you realize that your heart is aligned with the Father's heart. You just do what he wants to do. So, uh, Johnny Cash, remember him talking about a... a I don't know, I'll probably butcher this, but I think, Bill, you know this story, don't you, about him kicking against the, the pricks or whatever? Did you tell me this? The, the, he met the queen. Oh, it was a dream. It was a dream. He, he dreamed he met the queen, right? Yeah. And then... Thank you, Andrew. Push the button. So Johnny Cash had a dream uh, that he went and met before met the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth, and she said, "Johnny, you're nothing but a thorn bush in a whirlwind." And uh, in symbolism, the uh, thorn bush is man's obstinance to God, and the whirlwind is God. Yeah. So you're nothing but obstinance against God in the midst of God. Right. So. And if you heard that song, he say, he talks about that in the song. If I don't remember what song it is, but he talks about that. And the and the thorn trees in the whirlwind. Why must you kick against the pricks? So essentially when, when we do when we do these you know, we do this religious these religious activities really or anything and you can categorize that categorize that in good or bad or whatever you want, self righteousness or just, you know, living in the world and sin or whatever it is. 
anything that we do outside the will of God is that you're, you're, you're making it miserable on yourself. If, you, if, if you've ever known yourself before you were saved, <laughs> you know what that feels like, right? Or if you've ever known yourself as being some self-righteous religious person, you know what that feels like. You are, you're fighting a losing battle both ways because God has something better for you right here in the middle. Stop going this way or that way and just listen. All right, that's all I got. Y'all have anything? Yes, Carol? Wait, we have a microphone. How much of the, the problems you were talking about with the church in the world, how much of that do you think is focusing on lack? That Lack in us? Yeah, that we focus on our lack instead of our fullness. I mean, I don't know percentage-wise how much that is, but I'm sure it's in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately. I mean, yeah, because the church, I mean, we well, wonder how the church got here. Well, another way would be what we talk about all the time is being sin-focused instead of Christ-focused. doesn't yes. mean we ignore sin as though it doesn't exist. It just It's focusing on the problem instead of the solution. Yeah. It's like driving and looking at the ditch the whole time. You're going to wreck. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You can't, and you're not going to enjoy driving. Well, <laughs> the devil told Eve, hey, you're missing something. You need to eat from that tree. Yep. You'll be like God, but she was already God. Yep. So is the church doing that? Like... We need I mean, something a, we got. We don't have. Well, you'll get, here. You're gonna get me on my denominational soapbox, but I don't think, and I don't want to speak in such broad generalities as the church because I don't know all churches. I don't know all hearts. So, but but what I experienced is specifically in denominations and religious sect, sects, <laughs> um, or cults, essentially some of them, but um, was like I always talk about elevating whatever it is above Christ, saying our style or our theology or whatever it is, it's our thing, and raising that above what Christ taught us to focus on. And that could be anything. You could fill in the blank with any of that. And, you know, we could, I mean, if you want to be from any other religion too, you could beat yourself up and say, you know, I'm going to, or, or sacrifice something, I'm going to fast, or I'm going to, I'm going to give up something. or any, Anything that bases on either our lack or our performance, I think falls in the same category. Because ultimately, it's, it's taking, the, taking the focus off of Jesus and putting it back on ourselves. So I think it could be both, la- there's a both and again, it could be both lack or performance. Either of those things. Or, once again, like the Bible talks about, the kingdoms of this world or the kingdoms of the it's our version of whatever that is. We don't have the right to create our own version of what that is. It's one of the reasons we... I try not to give too much of my opinion, although I, I'm going to give my opinion. It's just natural. There's nothing wrong with that. But I try not to give too much because it's so, the, the, the Bible and the Holy Spirit are very clear, and they work together in showing us what this is supposed to look like. When, when we get in the way is when it starts getting messed up. Instead of, same thing with prayer, you know, we, we can make a request, but he's still the king, right? So prayer, for me, even early on was when I need something, I talk to God. I don't ever talk to God any other time. It's only when I need to. It was like a spiritual vending machine. I put in my couple quarters of prayer, and I want my Dr. Pepper with my 23 flavors. <laughs> but ultimately, that's not what prayer is. Prayer is aligning our hearts with God's. So essentially what prayer is is, Lord, let your will be done. Lord, let your can- every prayer that we pray should essentially be this. I mean, it can use a lot of other words, but, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let your will be done not when you die and go to heaven, 
on earth as it is in heaven. He literally said, I don't seek that my father take you out of this world. No, no, no. I'm going to come be with you. He literally said it. No, I'm going to come and be with you so that you can know him like I know him and he can know you like he knows me and we can be together forever. I'll give you a heart and then with a the little thing and then you get the, I get the other heart necklace and we're together forever. BFS. Lydia? Stop trying to get out of this world. You're here for a reason. <laughs> and I think like tying all of that together, it's like there's when we're living life with God, like whether it was Eve in the garden or us now, that it's a willingness to trust that he actually knows what he's doing. And (laughs) that's really hard um, when it's somebody that you can't see. And when you don't know exactly what he's going to do, but you know that you can trust him. Um, And when we try to get self-sufficient or we try to win the argument or to win the fight, we realize that we've already lost because it's not about us in the first place. And so, like, when, when Jesus is saying, like, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, it's like that tiny piece of yeast that you hide away as your starter. Like, from the outside, yes, it looks very small and insignificant, and we can believe that it's that way, and you'll never see the fruit of it. Um, but it's like, he's not asking for us to know everything. He's asking for us to be willing to step out in the faith that he has actually put something inside of us to add to the world that he's put us in. Yep. And that's really hard. Yep. Like, because I know I, for, for myself, I always feel like I never have enough answers. And that if somebody tried to argue me in apologetics and asking for citations in the Bible, I'm like, <laughs> guys, I couldn't give it, but I can tell you what I've learned. And the truth that I've, that I've, that I've found. And, you know, it might involve me just straight up singing the songs to you because that's the way that I learned the word. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't diminish the fact that the Lord has put something inside me. And that... I'm, the only obligation that I have is to just walk with him and wherever he takes me. He, he doesn't want me to have everything together. He's just asking for us to be willing. And then if we're willing, then we give him everything. Yeah, funny thing. They said the same thing about Jesus. How, are, how is this guy so smart? Isn't this the, don't we know his brothers and sisters? This is just, we know his dad. He's saying he's the son of God. In the same way, we talked about this this morning, uh, about, about, I don't know if anyone's ever been argued into the kingdom there's something about an experience that can't be argued away. When you experience, you, uh, Mark used to say you can't unring that bell. Once a bell's been rung, you can't unring it. It was one of my things when I first started really getting into the kingdom and things would happen, and I was like, you know what? I kind of just want to go to a more docile back row church that I don't have to deal with some of these things because this is scary. This is a little different. But once you ring that bell, you can't unring it. It's there, and I could, you can't go backwards. I always go to the original Matrix, the red pill, blue pill thing. You got you to decide if you really want to see what's going on. You can see this kingdom, but when you do, you're going to see a lot of things that you're not used to seeing, and you're going to have to deal with them. It's, it's one thing for me to say, you need to change this behavior, and here's some ways, here's steps that you can change. It's another thing altogether for me to say, you need to deal with the evil that's in your heart. I don't know what that is. Or you need to deal with, you know, Jesus says the hatred. You might as well murder your brother. Or the lust, you might as well sleep with her. It's the same thing. Or the unbelief. It's all you he he didn't do this to be a jerk. <laughs> he did this so that you could see that you needed him. He it was a setup. It was a divine setup to say, I don't care. I don't 
unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and Sadducees, you will not see what? This kingdom. But guess what? His did. His righteousness. Oh, man. His righteousness surpassed that of the Pharisees and Sadducees by a long shot. They thought they were law keepers. He kept it for you and me. He did what we couldn't so that we, we could gain what we could never gain on our own. What an awesome king and savior and father. Addie? Sorry. Don't be sorry. You're good. Okay. Um, I think going back to the kingdom and the branches, because I've been abroad for so long, I've noticed that, you know, some people will try to argue me, like, well, you could be ministering to kids here. I'm like, the kingdom is beautiful because my branch growing abroad doesn't affect how your branch grows. And, and my calling and what God's put in my heart doesn't affect what he's put in your heart. Exactly. And, and just because, just because my, my calling is elsewhere doesn't mean that I don't support you and don't love you and don't want you to still minister here. Exactly. Because that's beautiful in its own way. Yeah. And I think tagging to the, to the prayer and to the different religions, and I've watched, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I've watched some people truly believe believe what what it is they're worshiping is real and they say the same thing they say the same thing to their idol they say whatever you would have for me whatever you would have for me and I'm sitting here thinking about the Christians that I know and and we're not praying the same way with the same earnestness with the same need with the same desire they pray to something that's not alive they pray the same thing I just want to do what you would want me to do but to a statue that's never been alive or, or that's touched by a demon because that's real, yeah. you know? And I think that's important for us to remember is that just because they're praying to something different doesn't mean they don't believe it. And yeah. it doesn't mean that we shouldn't love them where they are. Right. You know? And I think that has to do a lot. Like, people we interact with here, they pray to, to what they believe. Mm-hmm. But we have to show them the love of Christ, and we have to show them not just in our prayer, but in the way we speak, the way we smile at them, the way that we breathe. Everything we do should speak to the name of God. Yeah. Because they're still praying, and they still believe to whatever it is. Yeah. You know, and that's how we change their heart. You know, yeah. and and bickering amongst ourselves, it's not gonna. No. It's not gonna do anything. I ran into the same thing in Honduras when we went over there. I had a lot of questions because it was my first trip. <clears throat> and I remember asking Kim, we were sitting down, and there were two men arguing in Spanish, and I don't speak Spanish. And they were arguing back and forth. And I asked Kim, I said, hey, what are they talking about? They seem, they're getting kind of heated over there. And she said, they're arguing about Scripture. They're arguing about the Bible. And I was like, really? I was like, I wouldn't have guessed that, but okay. But I think I heard a couple key words in Spanish, and I was like, it sounded like Bible words or whatever. And she was like, yeah, they're arguing about the Bible. And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah. She said, this place is not evangelized. It is. Like in the 60s and 70s, you know, but it's evangelized in an Americanized version of the church or Christianity. And she said all it did was give them uh, just some different knowledge to argue with each other. And so what they're doing over there is a little different now, and they're trying to convert that. So that what happened back then, I guess in the 60s and 70s, was more of this Americanized culture trying to influence their culture. And it wasn't really... It was, it was an attempt to try to win them over, but it was what we would see back in the day of them, you know, we need to check off so many, how many people get saved, and then you need to, you know, cut their hair and put a suit on and do all these things. 
and then it turned into people hating each other and arguing over scripture and just it just gave them another thing to argue about and I never knew that I mean it was she explained all this to me but what 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 you guys are talking about is exactly what Jesus did is he walked amongst people and sat down and ate and talked to them demonstrated the kingdom by praying for them and healing them he ate with them right and loved them right where they were and that that changes a life arguing doesn't change a life we've got to this, this mindset of, of, of us being right to prove someone, someone else, else wrong is our own pride and egos. Especially as Christians, we shouldn't be that way. Jesus humbled himself. He didn't have to wash feet. He's the king of kings. He didn't have to die. He said, ah, no, no, no. It's my, it's my good pleasure that I do this for you. You don't have to do any of these things. But it's good if you do. It's good for you and it's good for those that are around you. All right. We, I could sit here and talk all day long, but uh, Tiffany's got to go eat some <laughs> hot bread with butter. <laughs> but speaking of Tiffany, uh, Tiffany and Margaret both have approached me within the last few weeks and want to start praying for people up here. Um, so we're going to give them that opportunity now. I'm going to pray, and those, those two guys are going to come up here um, and pray for you guys if you need prayer. So we now have a prayer team. It is, it is deemed so. Um, so, uh, so we'll pray together, and then if you guys, oh, yeah. I want you guys to come pray, but also stick around and move the chairs, so we'll do both both and that as well. Um, but Father, we just thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you that you, Lord, you took our heart of stone and you gave us a heart of flesh with your laws written on it. So we're not looking for, for stones with rules or, or anything like that. We are looking for your heart, and we want to, uh, just like Addie was saying, we have a living God, and we want to serve you. We don't have to, but we want to. We desire to know you more, just like you desire to know us more. So, Father, as we we go out into this world um, and we know that there are bad things that happen all around us, Lord, we are not bound by our circumstances. Lord, just like you you taught in the Beatitudes, it doesn't matter what how bad things are going or how rough things are going or how um, how bad we feel. Lord, your truth remains. You are our rock. You are our cornerstone. And, Lord, we will continue to, to, to just do your will on the earth, as simple as that is. And it seems mediocre. It seems that you could look right past it. But, Lord, help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Help us to repent and renew our minds to your kingdom and everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.